be acquired, something that a person needs to make an effort for, something that a person needs to be acquired, something that a person needs to make an effort for, something that a person needs to sacrifice, whatever is necessary in order to achieve it. And something that is bad, is bad. So anything bad is meant to be refrained from. Person needs to do whatever is possible to save himself from it. This is a basic principle that everybody is agreed on. The next aspect is the definition of what is good and what should be acquired, what is bad and what should be refrained from. That now everybody will have their own ideas and own thoughts and perceptions with regards to that. But for a mu'min, what is good and what is bad is clear cut. For a mu'min, what is good and bad is already defined to us and explained to us by Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala in the Quran Sharif, by Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa in detail, in the ahadith, in his practical life, he demonstrated what is good and explained what is to be refrained from. And then it is broader sense to do good. To do good also has various dimensions. One is to do good in the sense that a person worships Allah Ta'ala alone, follows the way of life of Rasulullah so this is doing good. Then doing good in a broader level in the sense that doing good to others, being kind to somebody, compassionate, treating people in a way in a good way, treating people with compassion, with kindness, with love. So again, this is a very wide thing. But in whichever aspect we think about it, whether it is in the terms of doing righteous actions, whether it is in terms of doing good to others, the issue is that in all these various dimensions, the benefit comes back to the one doing it. If a person is doing righteous actions, good in that sense, he's not doing Allah Ta'ala any favor. Allah Ta'ala is totally independent. Allah Ta'ala doesn't need anybody's namaz, anybody's zakat, anybody's hajj, anybody's fasting in the month of Ramadan, anybody's any righteous actions, Allah Ta'ala doesn't require it. We don't do Allah Ta'ala any favor by performing any of these good deeds. This is something we're doing ourselves a favor. For example, a person performs his five times salah. So who benefits by that? Does Allah Ta'ala benefit by it? The benefit comes back to us in this dunya already and in the hereafter. Among the very well-known benefits of salah, Allah Ta'ala in the Quran Sharif Himself says that وَأْمُرْ أَهْلَكَ بِالصَّلَاةِ وَاسْتَبِرْ عَلَيْهَا لَا نَسْأَلُكَ رِزْقَ نَحْنُ نَرْزُقُكَ That command your household people with salah and you also be punctual and steadfast upon it. So the command of salah is given. And in the same ayat, immediately thereafter Allah Ta'ala says لَا نَسْأَلُكَ رِزْقَ We don't ask you for sustenance and rizq. We grant it to you. Now, salah is being mentioned, the command of salah, of remaining steadfast, remaining punctual, 
commanding one's household members, with performing salah and being punctual thereon. And in the same breath, the aspect of risk suddenly comes in. We don't ask you for any risk, we grant it to you. The Mufassirin explained that one of the very glaring links in these two things is that salah, a person sometimes, for example, in the middle of the day, Zuhar Salah maybe, and especially Asar Salah, person feels now if I'm going to stop whatever I'm doing, I'm going to stop my work, my business, my job, my profession, whatever the case is, and go for Salah, I'm going to affect what I'm doing. I'm going to affect my income. I'm going to affect my work. I'm going to affect my business. Allah Ta'ala is saying, no, you don't affect anything by going for Salah. You're doing yourself a favor by going for Salah. Because that Salah is a means of your sustenance. We don't ask you for risk. We grant you that risk. And that Salah will become the means of you gaining that risk. Avoiding Salah and refraining from Salah, forsaking it, that will remove the barakat from that risk. Delaying it, after its time, that will deprive that barakat, deprive one of that barakat that will come in that risk. So Allah Ta'ala is saying that don't ever think the salah will become a means of affecting your risk. Rather the salah will bring the risk. So now the person performing salah, who did he do the favor to? Favor comes back to himself. He did good, he got the good. And then all the other various rewards and favors that come from Allah Ta'ala on the performance of salah, which are well known. So this is one little, one, one aspect just to understand that when we do any good, we do it for ourselves. We are the ones who benefit. In ahsantum, ahsantum li anfusikum. Allah Ta'ala says, if you do good, you're doing good to yourself. You're doing yourself a favor. Wa in asa'tum, falaha. And if you do wrong and evil, then that will come back to you also. So you are the one who benefits from the good, and you are the one who will suffer the consequences of the evil. So, the issue is that a person has to strive whatever it takes, whatever little effort has to be made in order to acquire the good. And if a person undertakes that little bit of effort, again the benefit comes to him. For example, it's an extremely cold day. Now, we might not really appreciate what a cold day is, but in countries where it goes way beyond freezing point, sometimes minus 20 and minus 40, in certain countries, Canada, etc., sometimes in peak winter goes minus, minus 45. Now imagine that kind of cold outside. Now there's two ways of leaving the home now. One is a person says that, well, whatever it takes, I need to make myself warm. So one person who lived in Canada for some time, and he mentioned to me that on an ice cold day when it's well beyond below freezing point you see sometimes you have to wear like about seven layers of clothing first one vest and then another vest then one thermal vest and then maybe your kurta and then on top of that one sleeveless jersey and then one another small little jersey and then one lumber jacket on top of it and then a socks and another socks and then a leather socks and then the shoes and then on top of that some warm cap and then the gloves and now all that is a task and a half to start wearing all those clothes. And that takes a good amount of time. But now the person took all that effort. 
he undertook whatever was required in order to now make himself warm enough. And now he emerged from the house. So now despite the freezing temperature, he is walking quite comfortably. He is walking comfortably, it's not really affecting him in any way. He is not coming back inside out of severe cold. And the other person thought, well, this is a major task. So many clothes I must wear and all the time it will take, as it is I'm delayed. Let it be, I'll just go as is. So he comes out in his shirt only and he walks out. How long will he survive? So the effort that the first person took, who benefited from it? But he took some effort. But the benefit came back to him. He was the one that received the benefit. So like that, the good that a person does, one is the good in terms of righteous actions. That too comes back to him. And then on the broader level, the good that he does to others. Many a times, when it comes, when the opportunity comes to do something, then depending on the circumstances, sometimes it will be done, sometimes it will be regarded as enough is enough now. And I am going to take all this on my head. But when that opportunity comes for good, we are doing that good to ourselves, first and foremost. Just to understand this with one example, for example, and many a times, these things are most ignored closest to us. If there is some big buzruk that has come from overseas, we will all be very eager to do whatever we can in terms of good. Sometimes, somebody down the road from us has some need, we might go out in the middle of the night to assist the person. But often we ignore those who are closest to us. Hazrat Musa once asked Allah wa ta'ala, that who will be my companion in Jannat? Who will be my companion in Jannat? So Allah ta'ala then revealed to him, spoke to him, Musa Islam was Kalimullah, so talk directly to Allah Ta'ala. So Allah Ta'ala then replied to him that your companion in Jannat is so and so person who is a butcher. He's a butcher. Musa Islam was amazed, surprised. A butcher is regarded as an ordinary person. He would be obviously somebody that's pious, he's going to be in Jannat as the companion of Musa Islam. So he would be a pious person. But it's not expected that this will be a person of a very high caliber. He would be regarded as an ordinary Muslim. So he was surprised at this. So he decided to go and see what's special about this person. So he was given the detail of who the person is. So he went out one day and eventually found the person busy in his work. Under one tree, butcher of that time. There was no fancy butcher shop. It was under a tree, would slaughter the animal slice the meat in some whichever way, sell it off, that was the day. So he was busy in his work, Musa Islam observed him. As the time approached now to, in our terms, close shop, he finally wrapped up everything and took a nice chunk of meat, wrapped it in some thing and now started getting ready to leave. So Musa Islam came to him and said to him that he doesn't know who the person is, he's never met Musa Islam, he knows the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala is around meaning this is his time. But he had never met Musa he was unaware who the person is who is speaking to him. 
So Musa asked him, can I accompany you and be your guest for today? I'm traveling. I travel to that point. So those days there were no formalities. It was very simple, straightforward. And there were this very simple life, very easy going. The person said, very well. Who are you and where you come from and what is... He looks like a straightforward person, decent person. Well and good. No questions asked. Be my guest. Musa accompanies him. So they go to his house. When they get there, this person first and foremost goes and starts chopping up that meat that he brought and then cooks something. Like a soup or something, whatever. Then he comes into the corner of the house. Very old and frail person was lying there. An old lady. So he seats her and then he feeds her this. And after having fed her nicely, made her comfortable, and then he puts her back to rest. So she says something. Musa is observing all this. This person finished off and then he came. And now he came to attend to Musa who is his guest. So Musa asked him that who is this person and what is all this? He said, well, this is my mother. She's gone extremely old, frail. The last thing before I leave, I attend to her. I see to all her needs, make her comfortable. And then the first thing when I come back from my work, I attend to her again, see to her comfort, feed her. And I don't take any help from anybody else in this regard. I do it myself. I attend to her myself. I don't take help from anybody. Many a times... This is regarded as, I will pay for it, somebody else must do it. Whereas my parents are my duty. I will give the instructions, my wife must do it. If somebody else does it, it's their ihsan. But it's my duty. Somebody else does it, whether it is my children, who help their grandparents, or whether it is the wife who helps her in-laws, or whether it is somebody else who does it because of anything else, it's their ihsan, it's my duty. So any case, he said, this is my mother, I attend to her myself, I do everything. And after I've made her comfortable, then I see to my family. So Musa asked him that, okay, very well, when you finished off everything, she said something, what did she say? He said, don't worry about that. He said, no, what did she say? Well, it's an old woman and as they get older, they sometimes become senile also. Then they say things, they just say it for the sake of saying it. They don't know what, really what they're saying. She said, no, what did she say? She said, well, what do I tell you? She's an old lady now. And every time I do some service for her, khidmat every day after I've seen to her, then she tells me and makes this dua for me, may Allah ta'ala make you the companion of Musa alayhi salam in Jannat. He says, where am I, an ordinary person, a butcher, and where is Musa alayhi salam, the Nabi of Allah ta'ala? And where I am going to be in the company of Musa alayhi salam in Jannat? But it's an old lady, she's my mother now. In any case, I have to just make her happy. Musa alayhi salam told him that, let me give you the glad tiding. I am the Nabi of Allah ta'ala Musa, and Allah ta'ala has informed me that you are my companion in Jannat. Now, outwardly, there was a lot of effort involved, some sacrifice, doing all the work himself, attending to his mother, making her comfortable, and seeing to all her needs, 
But who was the one who received the greatest benefit of it in the end? In ahsantum, ahsantum li anfusikum. Wa in asa'atum, falaha. You do good, you get the good back. This is something we're talking about Bani Israel. Has Musa Salatu's time. Something which is very, very fresh in terms of fresh that I heard it for the first time two weeks ago. And I happened to meet the person just yesterday again, so all this came fresh back in my mind. An Alim from Medina Munawara, who's based there for a long time. I met him for the first time about two weeks ago. And in the short time that we I was there in his company, so he was speaking about several things and in the process some discussion came about his childhood and his early days. So this was a very striking incident which is very similar to the kind of incident we discussed just now. And as I said, we might think this is a far away thing. Well, these things happen even in this time and age. So this Alim from Madina Sharif, he is based there, originally from Pakistan. So he mentioned to me that while talking something as person discusses something leads to the other and in the course of the discussion came to his childhood days you see when he was a young boy and he used to this was not really linked to the incident that we used to discuss but nevertheless a lesson in here as well that he was very interested in school and so on and that's why he used to go with great eagerness so early in the morning because it was a distance away his mother would wake up early and she would now, in the rural area, prepare the rotis, etc. His, basically his lunch, because he'll return late in the evening. And then she would, as she would be sending him off, see, she would say one thing to him. She would say that every mother, whoever, whichever mother serves her children, does things for her children, she'll get rewarded for it. Allah Ta'ala will bless her for it. <coughs> so I will certainly get rewarded for this also. I'm waking up so early to do all this for you. I'll get rewarded also. But I would really have been rewarded if I was doing all this for you because you are going to study deen. Now, what a ajeeb way of trying to bring the importance of deen in the heart of the child. Since this was the last message she, she would send me off with. And he says, but I carried on and until one day when she said it again, everything sometimes comes that one drop at a time. Sometimes a person gives some advice or does something it seems like it went just in vain. What benefit came out of it? Somebody is being advised, don't do this, and this is a bad thing, or don't go to a certain place, it's a bad place. So now the parents, or the friends, or somebody else said it one time, two times, and it seemed like, well, it all went in the air. But nothing goes in the air, provided it is given with sincerity, it's taken correctly, it's there. But sometimes, it still needs to be filled more and more until it comes to the brim. And it comes to the brim, and suddenly it will show its effect. So, he says every day she used to tell me this. One day, again when she said it, it struck me. And on that moment I decided, I need to change course. And he started going to learn deen, became a hafiz, and so on. Then he became an alim. But in any case, the aspect that I wish to mention was, he says, while I was still a young boy, maybe in his teens, See, my mother became very ill. And she got bedridden also. To the point where, even if she needed to turn from one side to the other, she needed to be helped. 
And he said, Alhamdulillah, I remained in her khidmat and service all the time. And whatever was required, whatever was needed to be done, I was there, I would do it from time to time. She needed to just merely turn from one side to the other. I would be there to do that too. And he says, every time that I did something for her, every now and again, she would give me one dua. Now that dua again in our context might not be easy to appreciate. It might be taken for granted. But if you consider in a rural area of Pakistan, a poor family, and now this is some maybe 55-60 years ago story. So at that time when hardly many people would be going for Hajj every year. The very wealthy would be going for Hajj and affording it. And in those times, the person who went for Hajj, subhanallah, he was regarded as somebody who's now come back like a farishta. This person went to Kaabatullah and came. He was regarded as somebody like superhuman now. And for many, it would just be a dream. And they would never have any possible hope in their lives. Maybe the dua was there. But considering their own circumstances, it was just a dream. One day, inshallah, maybe Allah Ta'ala takes me. Now, in that context, says every time that I did something for my mother, she would say, Allah Ta'ala take you for hajj. Allah Ta'ala take you for hajj. Says every time I would... Says after a while, you don't even take notice now. The same thing is being said. And especially considering your circumstances and the type of situation, you don't even really have any strong hope it will happen. Says time went on, any case she passed away. Then some time went on. And Allah Ta'ala made it such that some things worked out for him in a way where he eventually settled down in Madinah Munawara. And that was 41 years ago. To date, while he was talking, he was saying that was 41 years ago. It's over 41 years ago. And he says, Alhamdulillah, I regard it as nothing but those du'as of my mother, that in these 41 years, Allah Ta'ala enabled me to perform 41 hajj. To the extent that he says on one occasion, some years back, 10-12 years back, he had gone to Pakistan after Ramadan, and had planned to come back, he went to visit his family, planned to come back in time for Hajj. So it happened there was some mishap and his foot got burned badly. So he was in a bit of a predicament and in treating it because he couldn't travel in that condition. So the days went past, he had to delay his return. Eventually he returned the night before Hajj. Returned directly from Karachi to Madinah Munawara. Landed in Madinah Munawara. And he says he landed at Isha time. Like today now it's Isha time. Tomorrow morning people will be leaving for Mina. So he landed in this condition that his foot is all bandaged up. Landed in Madinah Munawara at Isha time. Came home. Just barely settled down. Had something to eat. And a short while later, it's now late in the night after Isha. Short while later, one of his students phones. They asked for him, so whoever answered the phone said, he'll just, just come back from Pakistan now. And he's not well as well. He said, no, please, I want to speak to him. They gave him the phone. So that person after asking, he said, I've been trying to contact you. Uh, aren't you going for Hajj? He said, well, I'm going to make it for Hajj. And he had no intention at all. He said, how am I going to make it for Hajj? This is my condition. I can't even walk. And uh, I've just landed from this journey. 
And then on top of that, there's some document, some paper, some permission that is required from the officials, from the office. I didn't even acquire that. I only landed now. That takes a day or so to get that. And everything is now closed. So that person who phoned said, look, your that permission paper, I already two weeks ago went and got it on your name. Number two, I got a wheelchair. I'm coming with it now. All you do is bring your ihram and come down. I'm coming to pick you up in one hour's time. He says in one hour's time, or this person came, picked him up, and they drove down to Makkah Mukarramah overnight. And the next morning they left for Hajj. And the entire Hajj this person made him make on the wheelchair. And even that year Allah Ta'ala made that Hajj possible for him, where he was sure he's never going to make it. And he says that it seems and it appears to me, Wallahu Alam, that I didn't count how many times my mother gave me that dua, but the number of times that she might have made that dua, it seems I will have to complete that first before I leave this world. That's an assumption he made, Wallahu Alam, Allah knows best. But, again coming, we branched off from one point to the other, but the issue is, that when we do good to others, sometimes we feel we are doing favors to others, and they must be grateful to us. We should be grateful more than anybody else to ourselves, to Allah Ta'ala first and foremost. That Allah Ta'ala enable us to do something good to others. Allah Ta'ala enable us to do good for ourselves in terms of righteous actions. Allah Ta'ala doesn't benefit from it. And the benefit that we pass on to others, we get the greater benefit. And as mentioned, that often we forget those closest to us. Our own families, our own children, our wives, our parents, our brothers and sisters, our extended family members. Many a times, we overlook those closest to us and we will look beyond that. Alhamdulillah, that too is good. But those who are closest, this is where it starts off from. This ihsan. Allah Ta'ala loves this. To the extent that even ihsan on animals Allah Ta'ala loves, so what will be the condition with ihsan on human beings? In the hadith Nabi Salaam says, Inna Allah ihsan ala kulli shay. Allah Ta'ala has prescribed ihsan and being good to everything, for everything. To the extent that, وَإِذَا قَتَلْتُمْ فَأَحْسِنُ الْقِتْلَى وَإِذَا ذَبَحْتُمْ فَأَحْسِنُ الزِّبْحَى If you're slaughtering an animal, then be good in that too. Do it in a way that you are kind to the animal. Imagine slaughtering an animal, even there Nabi Salaam is saying, do it with kindness. One person, Nabi Salaam passed by him, he was about to slaughter an animal. And he had it pinned under his knee, and he was busy sharpening his knife. So Nabi Salaam addressed him and said, what is the problem with you? Why are you killing the animal twice? Why are you killing the animal twice? In other words, one death you're putting it through by seeing the knife being sharpened in front of it. You're giving it this emotional death. And then you're going to slaughter it. Put it to its death with kindness. That woman of the Bani Israel who was an unchaste woman. And she did ihsan to a dog. Subhanallah. A dog whose saliva is so najis that if it goes into some utensil, that utensil is najis. And if its perspiration comes on somebody's clothes, he'll have to wash it, it's napak. So such a najis animal. And she made ihsan to that najis animal, that animal was dying of thirst. 
and we couldn't reach the water, the water was too deep in the well. So she removed her sock, her leather sock, and she tied it to her scarf. And the point that is clear on this is, that even the unchaste woman of that zamana, didn't dare leave home without a scarf. The unchaste woman of that zamana also, even she had a scarf. So what was the level of haya and modesty of the chaste woman of that time? So she lowered her leather sock and she extracted water out of the well for this dog and on that Allah Ta'ala gave her the tawfiq of Tawbah. And she became a righteous person and she got Jannat. So if Allah Ta'ala rewards ihsan and kindness to an animal in such a manner, then what will be the reward and the benefit and what will come back in terms of doing ihsan to human beings? And then a human being who has iman. And then a human being who has iman who is our family member. And then somebody who is our parent. It is beyond our imagination. But this is again that doing good takes some effort. But the benefit of that comes back to us. Putting on all the garments will save us from freezing. It takes some effort. But the benefit of the effort comes back to the person who made the effort. It doesn't go anywhere else. So these things are very simple things. But these simple things carry great benefit. Just to develop that consciousness. To take the opportunities that come. To do small acts of kindness. Whoever, wherever. To bring the happiness to the heart of a mu'min. Among the greatest ibadats after the faraiz, after the injunctions of deen, one of the greatest ibadats is to bring happiness to the heart of a Muslim. To bring happiness to the heart of a Muslim. And in what ajeeb ways those who Allah Ta'ala blessed practiced on these kind of things. One person had come to ask for something to one of the akabir. So he told he wrote something in his note. He told him, okay, how much you want? He said 500, for example. So he said, okay, I'll give you 500. And then on the note he wrote, give him 1000. And he said, take this, but he closed it and said, take it to whoever the person was in charge. So when he got there, that person saw 1000 for this person. It was a big amount. This is the example I'm giving. So he asked him, how much you asked for? So he said, 500. So he thought there was a mistake, maybe there was a misunderstanding. He asked for 500, why must he give 1,000? So he came back, the Khadim came back to the Uzrug and said that he only wanted 500 and he says, you said you'll give him 500. So why you wrote, it was a mistake or what? He said, no, I said I'll give him 500. So now he's expecting 500. And now when he'll suddenly get the 1,000, his happiness will increase. Because he was expecting only one amount. And now he will get more. I decided to do this out of acting on this hadith of Nabi Islam. <laughs> now this is a big thing, merely by saying some kind words sometimes. By just saying something that will lift up somebody's spirits. By saying something that will give somebody hope. How often people write up and say that I am involved in this and that and the other. few days ago I received one email from somewhere person says I'm involved in a list of things all that he's involved in. So I'm sure I got no hope. There's no hope. 
Now the only, in that busy moment, the only answer that was given to him, that be sure there's great hope for you. But that's all. And one, two other things. Barely a few, maybe an hour or so later, there was a completely different tone in his reply. And Jazakallah upon Jazakallah for telling me that there is hope. Whereas anybody would have said the same thing. But just merely a person is requiring that somebody lifts his spirits, somebody gives him hope, that there is hope. There is no need to ever lose hope. Now there are many people out there who are on the edge of despondency. Whereas that should never be the case of a mu'min. A mu'min has great hope. But he needs to take that first step. Come towards Allah Ta'ala. Person who takes that first step, then Allah Ta'ala's rahmat comes towards him. So, now this little act of kindness in words suddenly fills somebody's heart with that hope and lifts his spirits and that benefit comes back to us in so many ways. We'll make somebody else's day also and we'll be the ones who benefit in the end. So in any case, the lesson is that this is something which is very beloved to Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala loves us greatly. Inna Allah yuhibbul muhsineen. Allah Ta'ala loves those who make ihsan in its broadest sense of the terms. All the various different dimensions and meanings that can come out of it. All this is included in it. Ihsan in terms of doing one's ibadat in a perfect manner. Ihsan in terms of kindness. Ihsan in terms of doing righteous actions. And ahsantum, ahsantum li anfusikum. Person does good, he is the one who receives the benefit of that good. May Allah tabarak wa ta'ala grant us a tawfiq that we bring these great qualities of deen in our lives. Allah ta'ala give us a tawfiq of making amal upon it and passing it on to others as well. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Sallam <laughs> لا إله إلا الله 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 
ரொம்பாரம் <laughs> ربنا هب لنا من ازواجنا وذرياتنا قره اعين واجعلنا للمتقين اماما واجعلنا للمتقين اماما واجعلنا للمتقين اماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الابرار ربنا واتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامه انك لا تخلف الميعاد اللهم ثبتنا على الايمان وامتنا على الايمان واحشرنا يوم القيامه مع الايمان الله العالمين يا الله وموس مرسف الله موس فوجيفينغ الله موس كريم ورحيم الله الله العالمين يا الله يور باونتيز ار بينغ شاور ابون اس ايفري مومنت يا الله الله العالمين يور كاونتليس اند انيومبل باونتيز يا الله وي ار بينيفيتينغ فروم ايفري سكند اند ايفري بريث يا الله الله العالمين يا الله وات ايفر يو هاف جيفن اس يا الله يا الله وي هاف بين سو ان غريتفول يا الله وي هاف يوزد ات اجينست يور كوماندز يا الله يا الله وي هاف سن دي اند نايت يا الله فروم هيد تو تو وي ار كفرد ان سن يا الله Allahul alamin how ungrateful we have been for all your gifts and nikmats ya Allah ya Allah the food you gave us to eat ya Allah we used that strength against you ya Allah Allahul alamin ya Allah the eyes you gave us to see we used it against your commands ya Allah the ears you gave us to listen with ya Allah we heard that which displeased you ya Allah ya Allah wa tang ya Allah we spoke that which you Allah forbade us for to speak from ya Allah Allahul alamin we used all our limbs against you ya Allah how ungrateful we have been for your nikmats ya Allah Ilahul alamin you forgive us ya Allah forgive all our major and minor sins ya Allah Ilahul alamin we deeply regret having for, for, ya Allah disobeyed you ya Allah Ilahul alamin ya Allah ya Allah we are sincerely repenting ya Allah we are making sincere tawbah today ya Allah Ilahul alamin you forgive us ya Allah ya Allah wipe us off wipe all our sins out ya Allah ya Allah make us like the day we were born ya Allah completely free of every sin ya Allah Ilahul alamin make our tawbah ya Allah firm ya Allah Ilahul alamin keep us steadfast on this tawbah ya Allah Ilahul alamin save us from every haram ya Allah save us from every sin ya Allah Ilahul alamin every breath of our life ya Allah let us be in your obedience ya Allah Ilahul alamin keep us steadfast on sirat al-mustaqim ya Allah Ilahul alamin save us from the taps of nafs and shaitan ya Allah Ilahul alamin we are very weak ya Allah without your help we cannot save ourselves from anything ya Allah Ilahul alamin we are begging for your help ya Allah Ilahul alamin you protect us and safeguard us ya Allah Ilahul alamin safeguard us ya Allah safeguard our families ya Allah safeguard our children ya Allah safeguard our relatives ya Allah safeguard our friends ya Allah Ilahul alamin safeguard the entire ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam Ilahul alamin forgive the entire ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam 
Ilahul alamin, ya Allah, you save us from the evils, ya Allah. Save us from all the fitna and fasad, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, ya Allah, you make us hate sin, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, give us the love of righteous amal, ya Allah. Give us the love of salah, ya Allah. Give us the pleasure of ibadat, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, ya Allah, give us the taste of zikr, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, give us the ya Allah pleasure of tilawat, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, fill our hearts with the love of Deen, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, fill our hearts with the love of the effort of Deen, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, save us from every haram, ya Allah. Save us from every iota of haram, ya Allah. Save us from every grain and drop of haram, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, grant us halal and tayyib rizq, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, ya Allah. You grant us barakat in our rizq, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, all those who are in any kind of difficulties and hardships, remove their difficulties and hardships, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, whatever pious desires each one has, ya Allah, you fulfill it, ya Allah. Fulfill what each one's needs from the ghayb, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, remove each one's difficulties and hardships, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, ya Allah, you remove all our illnesses, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, grant us complete cure and shifa, ya Allah. Ya Allah, remove the illnesses within us also, ya Allah. Ya Allah, remove the illnesses of the heart, ya Allah. Remove our spiritual illnesses also, ya Allah. Our physical ailments also give us shifa, kamila, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, all those who are sick, give them shifa, kamila, ajila, mustamirra, Ilahul Alamin, all those who are in financial difficulties, remove their difficulties, Ya Allah. Give each one, Ya Allah, halal and tayyib rizq, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, at the time of our death, take us with the kalima, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. Ya Allah, take us with iman and kamil, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, take us on complete and perfect tawbah, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, take us at the time that you are pleased with us and we are pleased with you, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, save us from a bad death, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, save us from a bad death, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, grant us the shafaat and intercession of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ya Allah, grant us jannatul firdaus without any reckoning, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, all those who have passed away from our families, our friends, from the entire ummah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah, fill their qabrs with nur, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, grant them the high stages in the akhirat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, those of our parents who are alive, give them barakat in their lives, Ya Allah. Give them good health, Ya Allah. Enable us to serve them, to be obedient to them, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, those of our parents who have passed away, Ya Allah, fill their qabrs with nur, Ya Allah. Give them the highest stages in the akhirat, Ya Allah. Give them the great stages in Allah, in Liyin, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah. All the du'as that, Ya Allah, Ya, ya Rasulullah made Ya Allah All the good that he asked for Ya Allah We are also begging for all the good Ya Allah Whatever Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam sought refuge from Ya Allah We are also begging refuge from it Ya Allah Allahumma inna nasaluka min khayri ma Sa'alaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka Sayyiduna Muhammadun sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Wa na'udhu bika min sharri Musta'adaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka Sayyiduna Muhammadun sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Anta al-musta'an wa alayka al-balaag Wa la hawla wa la quwata illa billahi al